to the College Ball Show. He's Marshall. I'm Chris, and we're here to talk about some good old college basketball. And you know what? I just looked on Twitter today, and this is a positive story, not not the ugly parts of Twitter. Um, but to see the Fab Five together, and Jalen Rose and Chris Weber in a picture, all hanging out. There's a, a couple different pictures of them out there. And I demand that those pitchers go in the Basketball Hall of Fame right now. It's in Connecticut. I've been there. Do it today. Not tomorrow. Do it today. It's a beautiful thing. The state of Michigan's popping off lately, dude. Good for them, man. Good for them. I mean, that was the, the first time they had been together watching Michigan against Ohio State fittingly. And, they, of course, they won. Um, but all five of them together at once like that, man. So that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. You know, they didn't win a chip, but honestly, they're uh, they're a very memorable squad for so many reasons. Anyway, we are going to get into, you know, the folks that have been with us through college football. That's why we call it the college ball show. Now we're on to just the round ball, right? So we're going to take this puppy all the way to the national championship game, final four and all that good stuff. And just a little reminder, it's a far, far ways away as I'm sitting here in Minnesota, negative two, like minus 19 feels like. Um, you know, come late April, we turn it in. We keep the basketball theme, but we turn it into an NBA playoffs show as well. So the college ball show is back. Both Purdue and Houston went down. TCU had a damn good week. Kansas kind of up and down this week. Uh, Arizona was upset. There was a lot of upsets. West Virginia had a good week. A um, couple of teams like Wisconsin and LSU on a roll. Even the Zags got beat. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do our normal start the show with some recap. Then we'll kind of do the conference whip around where we kind of update you on where we're at when it comes to that. Some of the big games coming up this week all the way to Saturday and Sunday. I don't know how many big games on Sunday there will be. Because, you know, usually the Sunday games are early and they're not that often only because of the NFL, you know what I mean? And, and then once the NFL is done, then Sunday can, you know, feature really, really good games. Um, but, yeah, if there's your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope It Up and download the show directly there. You can find this year College Ball Show under Rope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts. Download the podcast app, Podbean, Podtail, Podbay. You can find it in all lots of places while you're at it. Why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com and Sports News 24. One more thing about DirecTV Stream. You can get the best in streaming TV packages out there. No annual contracts. No hidden fees. In fact, right now, Stars and Direct TV Stream have a deal. If you order today, five fifty a month for three months. That's Stars Direct TV Stream. You can go to the website or one eight hundred five three one five thousand. That's Direct TV Stream. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in my co-host Marshall 
first and foremost, how are you doing? I know that you guys have canceled the whole winter. I don't think you're going to go back, you know, to normal life until probably March or something like that. Just kidding. Just kidding. How's it going down there, man? I know it's chilly for, for the Texas standards. I'm doing just fine because to me this is, you know, just kind of a walk in the park, a regular day, but I get an extra day off of work this week, so I'm I'm not complaining at all, brother. I am I'm, I'm doing good. I'm I'm life is good. I'll see the only uh the only sad news for me is I was just dinking around and looking at um March Madness for this year and it actually starts like a week later than normal. So my spring break schedule does not correlate to my Memphis weekend. And this weekend, this year in Memphis, March Madness, we're staying at like a 10-bedroom apartment in the middle of Beale Street. And my friend, who like kind of always sets up tickets, got me a ticket for free to have drinks in a suite for the whole tournament at both days at FedEx Forum. So I got to find a way to pull strings and get there because this is the best setup I've ever had. And I don't want to let a friend down who bought me a really nice suite ticket. So I got to start working angles because I don't want to miss Memphis and uh, March Madness. So that's my only concern for college basketball right now is the damn. I don't. Know, I, I looked it up. What happened then? Did they add well, an extra week? I mean, they're not doing the playoffs next year for college footballs. The you know the, the twelve team. What, what I love. Well, I didn't know that. I did and, not know that. What's yeah, going on? They're the, giving the us fir- more time. The first. The first uh, Thursday, Saturdays this year is like the twenty second and twenty fourth, which it normally never starts. That because I, I looked up from I went back all the way to 2000. This is yeah. s- since 2001. The only other time March Madness has started this late is 2008. So in the past 23 years, well, counting 2001. So since 2000, we've only had a tournament on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, since the year 2000, this is only the third time now the tournament has started this late, and the last time it started this late was 2008. So I was texting my best friend Ian, who you know, and he's like, "I'm like, dude, I got to figure out Memphis." And he's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Well, there's it starts a week later because we're only." It it's is always still that- the first Saturday though in April. Wow. Okay, I see what you're saying now. April sixth yeah. is, but it's a full week it has gone by by that time. I know. Okay. So. Weird. Well, I did not realize that. Yeah, because huh. because he's like, how didn't you realize that? I'm like, dude, I, like I've been going on this March trip for ten years, and I've never. I was like, it's always wow. spring break, it's always spring break, and I was like, oh no. So it might be a coach Friday night, get in my car, drive to Memphis, get up, get there around like four a.m., take a quick nap, and mitt. Because some people might say that's crazy, but dude, I I can't pass up a suite and a, a, a time with two friends, even if I'm there for Saturday Sunday. You yeah. know, so be it. So, but uh, you know, huh. yeah. As those bastards. I looked even. Dude, I remember like, when the Big Ten and, and Pac-12 and other conferences would have that week off, while the other conferences were having their, you know, like the yeah. the Big East and the SEC. I remember way back then. Yeah. You know, they didn't even have a tournament, and you get that little break off. But wow. Well, and even I did not even, even the that. Uh, even the Super Bowl this year is later than a week. So yeah, no, it does just, make sense. It's like the it, every it seven must years just be the, this happens type shit. The days on the calendars for yep. maybe how this year works for a calendar, but it it's almost like a leap year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it well actually it is. So that yeah, leap year is. bullshit's doing me in, brother. I got I got to figure shit out. <laughs> but besides that, and one reason I want to figure out is because to get into March Madness and previous seasons that we have what should be on paper what appears to be a very 
wide open season. Like if at the end of the show today I said, Hey Chris, hey, I'll give you four teams or take the field. Like this one of those years again with college basketball where I mean, if, if my co-host picked four teams, he might win the bet, but damn, this is not one of those years where all oh, it's, it's Gonzaga, it's Carolina, it's Duke. Like, yes, there are good teams, but there's not that team where it's like, oh man, I've been watching Kansas or I've been watching Carolina or I've been watching, you know, Purdue play. Well, they got this year no matter what. No, dude, we, we got a year where there's some blue bloods back up top and there's some good ass teams, but there's not that one team where you watch them play and it's like, well, I would say they're a shoe in to make it to the Final Four this year. Would you agree with that, my friend? Yeah, man. And it felt that way last year. And as we know, the infamous that never happened, 2020 season is something uh. that we really, you know, mentioned. And, and I remember last year, uh, you know, saying that, like, hey, this is <laughs> this is a big deal. Like, this is going to be fun. Yeah, you're right. It really is. And um, like we mentioned on the football show, uh, last week, um, you had Purdue and Houston go down. And, um, it, you know, it's funny because this Myron Medcalf from ESPN, he's a local guy here, does a really good job. Um, so um, Purdue got beat by, um, you know, Nebraska, right? Fred Hoiberg. So check this out. March 3rd, 1958, head coach uh, Jerry Bush leads Nebraska to a win over number one Kansas State, right? Obviously, January 9th, 2024, his grandson, Freddie Hoiberg, leads Nebraska to a win over number one Purdue. Um, <laughs> and, and he goes on to say Nebraska beat Kansas and Wilt Chamberlain in the same week in 1958. It just, it's just, just a funny stat of like, damn, dude, holy crap. I mean, that's pretty deep, but yeah. Um, it, it, I think it was the first time they beat a number one team since 1982. Um, so, you know, we talk about, you know, home and road, especially in some of these conferences, how road games pretty much everywhere you go, it's not as easy as you think. Purdue now did get on the good foot, um, and kind of leveled himself out at home against Penn State. They dominated um, on Saturday. Um, and they have one of the best resumes. I know a lot of people are kind of stuck on, you know, the last two years showing, and especially last year's showing, right? But they have a resume this year, no doubt about it. But just to add to it, Houston was unbeaten. You know, they lose. Um they lose to Iowa State, big win for Iowa State, who's now uh, ranked. But then TCU beat them, you know, basically with a game winner really super late, 68-67. to 67. And now Houston, who looked like they were really trucking along, you know, they, they got beat back-to-back. It's kind of like regrouping. Now, would this happen, you know, in the, in, the, in the conference they were in prior? Probably not. But that's how it goes. How many times, Marshall, have we talked about, okay, this team has lost two in a row or three in a row or, you know, three of five or whatever, uh, and it's kind of like just getting over that hump and making it, you know, I'm talking about the Big 12 in general like that because it has been the strongest conference for a while now. Um, And same with Kansas, you know. Uh, I mean, TCU, well, Kansas did get a win over Oklahoma, but I bring up Oklahoma – because TCU, you know, beat Houston, and they beat Oklahoma, who at the time was the ninth ranked. So TCU, 
which is always a tough place to play, and they've improved in the last chunk of years uh, as far as just being a competitive, uh, you know, like a really competitive team. Two top ten victories at the time. Um, I mean, it's already getting wild, and, and we're only midway through January, my friend. Yeah, and if you look at any team in the past, well, whoever's won a title, every team does go through that phase. Like, if I was to do the the pick four to make the final four, I probably would throw Houston in there. And I say that because that's a team who's always going to play lockdown defense or a team that's made some runs before. That's And if you watch them play, that's a solid-ass team. Now, defensively, they're pretty sharp. Offensively, are they gifted? No. Are they going to run up the court score 90? No, but they're going to play a good team. But, hell, my, I'm a Tar Heel fan. If you first time listening, hell, even the 0-9 Tar Heels, I think they lost like two out of three games in that magical year they had. So don't yep. don't lose your mind if your team loses three or four games in a row just because it does happen. Like, it is really rare for a college basketball team, as you know, Chris, to run, to go like 38 and 2. Like, you know, yeah. it, it happens, but it's, if, if you're in a major conference, like, beside, I mean, obviously a Gonzaga team could have records like that, but, you know, well, it's. Well, look, pretty, even Kentucky, remember that yeah. chunk of years ago, and they still got beat. They didn't win the championship. Yeah, so. It, every team goes through their phase, and especially if you're in a Power 5 conference, you're going to have a stretch where you're going to have to play some back-to-back road games. Obviously, you have an X on your back, just like in college football, where you always like, where you always see teams struggle on the road. College basketball, is, I would argue college basketball is even harder to win on the road. It, I, 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 just, I don't know how the numbers work for that, but nonetheless, college basketball is a is a The travel is different, Marshall. The travel is yeah. different. Because you are and, usually traveling when your your classes are done too. Yeah, and, and you simply just have more games to lose. Like I obviously from a yeah. math standpoint, you know. But winning on the road in college basketball is hard to do. Uh, so if could a team run the table at home or they have one loss? I'm sure. But you're, even if you win the national title, you're probably got three losses on the road. Um, so yeah, Houston. But Houston had their hiccup where you go to Iowa State, who's having a, a, a solid year, and as you uh-huh. just said, TCU is having a solid year. So you had uh, back-to-back road games within a week, and you lost them, and obviously you lost by a combined total of five points. So it's like you got like ran out the gym. Like you had you had a you lost by one, you lost by four. Like those still count as losses, but were they horrible losses? No, those are two teams who could easily be tournament teams as well. So will Houston bounce back for sure? Will Purdue bounce back? Hey, I, I'm sure they will too. They're still ranked number two. So and Nebraska much like TCU, kind of in the same situation. They've been building that program up, and they were, hell, they were even lower than Nebraska or than TCU ever was. They, they've been kind of yeah. going the right direction. Now it's been kind of a slower phase. But, again, for Purdue, another team where if you gave people, I guess it's my theme for the show, to pick four teams instead of the field, I bet a large majority of people are taking Purdue. Why? Well, I mean, uh, or maybe, they, maybe they'd be scared about it based on what happened last year. I don't know. But Purdue mm-hmm. is a team who definitely has – arguably the best big in the country, who seems like he's even progressing, taking his game up a notch. I've watched him play a couple times this year. Sure. He seems to be more offensively uh, solidified. And yeah. it looks like their wings are a little smoother this year. You know, like if you watch them play, Chris, he, he's not a guy that's going to carry you to a win on his own. But with how he plays and how hard he is to guard, if a guard or two happens to go off on a game and then he becomes tougher to like double team or guard, right. then they're, then they're a scary team. He's not like a, I don't know, like a, like an Anthony Davis or a Demarcus Cousins. Like he's not like a, a, a specimen athlete, huge big guy, but he's very good in the post. 
And when right. he gets one on one, when he gets able to turn that like left shoulder, I think it's for him. He's hard to guard, but he's not going to drop like forty. But if you have to worry about him and those guards with him this year, who seem to be solid, are working together. Now you have a team that could be a very legit tournament team. So again, obviously, if you are Purdue, you're probably counting on the days until you go to Memphis or go to whatever city, because that has to be such a a sour taste in your mouth, Chris, for the to be the first team ever to. Uh, to, or not first, but, but to be a once and lose, like that's one of those things where yeah. there's probably some big ass bulletin board. There's some quote that you hit every day when you walk out the gym to go to practice of guys. Let's just get to March again this year so we can erase that sour taste in our mouth. And I will say, you saw that with uh, Carolina in 09. You saw that with teams who have had yeah, that. You saw year. that with Virginia. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, was just Virginia that, for a yeah. while. Even before they got knocked out in the first round, they underachieved once they got there. And then they yep. really did. And what happened the very next year? They won mm-hmm. the chip. Yeah, you, they lost to the LNBC. And then, they, you know, so this, this could be Purdue's year. It, it, college basketball, sometimes it has fairy tale stories like that where, hey, you had a, you had a huge hiccup. All right, well, we'll show y'all. We're good. We're good. That could be a very huge, uh, motivational factor. Um, as we do kind of break down some other high notch teams. Um, hey, if we did this show a couple weeks ago, Arizona would be, yeah. Right up there. And I'm telling you, Matt, that team, I I still don't think they're the most solid defensive team. But if you play them when it matters, you better be able to score. I, I do think their defense at times leads them with holes. But if you want to run up and down and play a track meet style, which a lot of college teams do, not all, but a lot do, dude, they'll go up against anyone in the country. I do think defensively they got to figure out life. I'm not sure if they will, but. If you've watched Matt Chris, that that team can score at will. Uh, part of it's because my guy Caleb Love, who had that Duke shot, they'll put him in Carolina Hall of Fame infamy. Uh, you know they, they can hoop. Um, have you seen Zona play? I mean, I, that that team where if you want to drop ninety, okay, we'll match your ninety. We'll probably drop ninety five on you. They're they're quite a squad. I know they're ranked, right now they're ranked twelfth, but that's a team that easily could finish the year with a, a one or a two seat next to them. Yeah, and they're four and four in their last eight. It's something I put in my notes as well, being upset by Washington State. So they are kind of going through a win two, lose one, win one, lose one stage of 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 their season. But yeah, I agree. I think they. I mean, they're always you know a dangerous program and have proven that. But um, yeah, I think you got to keep an eye on them. Um, speaking of a surprise, is UCLA Ukula. Uh, this year, they they have had some struggles, man. They've had some major struggles. We'll get a little bit more deep with with that when we go around, you know, the whip around on the conferences. But um, I didn't finish my Kansas thing. They did have a big win at home against a ranked, highly ranked Oklahoma team, but did lose to UCF. Um, so that was uh, kind of like, hey, that's nice that you, you got up for Oklahoma, but – you were looking ahead, and I think, Marshall, when you talked about it's harder to win on the road because there's more, you know, opportunities or chances to lose, I also think there's a lot more look-ahead games. Obviously, there's only 12 regular season games, right? So, in college yeah. football, there's a lot more look right past them. You know, in this sure. part of the country, you know, we hear a lot growing up, this is flyover state, right? Just people, ah, I don't even want to land there. They don't even know what the hell is here, but they just assume it's all like, you know, farmland or something. That's it. Um, and there's a lot of just 
look, looking over you, not even just underestimating when it comes to that. And I think that obviously kind of fell, you know, against Kansas. You know, Kentucky's really got their stuff together. A&M, though, really had a great showing. Yeah, it was in overtime. They ended up winning that game, 97-92. Um, I, was really, I, I saw a chunk of that. I was really impressed in that one. I also saw a fair amount of Baylor in Cincy, and Baylor did pull it off. Um, Cincy might be a team that, once they got their stuff together, they could be pretty good, man. It could be pretty good. And speaking of a, a fairly new team here, BYU did beat that Central Florida team on the road, since we're talking about that as well. Um, whereas San Diego State, at the time ranked 18th, they got beat by New Mexico State, which is a, a, a team that, you know, we documented last year, got off to that great start, then kind of fell apart. Um, that's kind of, you know, that, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, for the coach. So we'll see if he can, you know, improve on that. But I thought that was a big win as well. And last year we highlighted the Mountain West. And I did get, you know, messages throughout the year like, no, it's this team or that conference or that conference. But in the end, it sure did turn out to be um, the Mountain West as the non-power five and, um, you know, I I think that they may get – would they get four teams in last year, I believe? They might get five. Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah, it's four. I'm not calling for six just yet, okay? Don't uh, at me. <laughs> but honestly, they'll get four, and I would not be shocked at five. We'll see, you know, where six goes. But um, a lot of close games, too, with Texas getting beat by West Virginia in West Virginia – in Creighton protecting their home court just barely. There could have been a foul there late, too. Um, Creighton and St. John's, 66-65. to 65. Um, That was, uh, that was uh, another game that I got a really good look at. And it, overall, though, for the, you know, one of the first Saturdays that we're covering, um, it was really fun, man. I, I had a lot of fun watching some of these games. Well, Chris, you mentioned Candace and gets the girlfriend's dog to bark. That's why we don't talk about that damn team. Come on now. <laughs> you know I'm not a KU fan of the dog. Or I thought it was the Mountain West. He's like, it's going to be six for sure. What are you talking about? You're no, crazy. That, that, that barking was for KU talk, so I'm just letting you know how that dog feels. <laughs> okay, I, I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. That's my fault. That's my fault. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, sorry about that. Um, Yeah. Uh, this year, one you mentioned um, A and M. I just want to say for the just for the sake of it, if you've been watching college basketball this year, that uh, Wade Taylor, that dude, oh my god, like him and John L. Davis at FAU. If you've not seen either of those guys play basketball this year, please sooner watch those teams. Like those are like in my opinion two of the best guards in America. So I just had to throw that in. Like Wade Taylor and John L. Davis for A and M and FAU respectively. If you enjoy watching college basketball, those are two guys that you will watch them play, and on a given night, they'll probably do something crazy. So just want to mention that. Um, but, yeah, I think this kind of ties into what you've talked about throughout uh, college football this year. It kind of ties into college basketball, too, with uh, Transfer Portal, NIL. Um, you mentioned the Power Five conferences and non-Power Five. The the, the landscape of the, the game is so much more evenly placed out, again, for college football, too. 
or and basketball, sorry, for college basketball. Like to have and the transfer too. portal was a little bit ahead the last few years over college uh, uh, football too, wasn't it? There was a lot more guys that could transfer based off your coach moving on. Yeah, and it's and it, and for college basketball, you really you don't need as much in the portal. Like the the transfer portal, it, it you just need one guy. Like in college football, you really can't have a team that's going to be okay. Well, hey, we had one transfer portal guy. He's going to change our, our, our future. Now, if it's a quarterback, sure. But in college basketball, hey, we got a starting point guard from, let's say, FAU or from Marquette or from Texas Tech. Now he's on your team. Now your team looks so much different. College basketball, you don't need much. It's If you get one or two guys, okay, hey, oh, my God, look at uh, Texas Tech. Look at Villanova. Look at uh, Michigan State. Like, in college basketball, Chris, you really only need one or two people Allison, yeah. damn, like even the Mountain West, like Colorado State, the last few years, they've been able to have some a couple transfer people. Allison, damn, Same Colorado New State, Mexico. Uh, yeah. yeah, and yep. and they've been kind of a they got cons- half the Gopher squad on New Mexico. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> and 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 now okay, now all of a sudden you're a team that can make the conference tournament or or sorry, contend your conference tournament and make it to March Madness. So again, right. it's it's changed the landscape, makes it more evenly balanced and. You just need one because, as we'll learn this year, one of the biggest themes of when you're picking games or picking teams or picking whoever to win March Madness, if you have a good point guard in college basketball, crazy the good things can happen. Now, it's 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 hard to find the true great ones, but they're out there. If you have a great point guard on your team, those upsets you've been talking about, those occur more often when the guy that runs the point for your squad is a good hooper. Yeah, no doubt about it. And. Just to kind of wrap up the rest of the week, the Baylor-BYU game was a really good game. Both of them came in that rank that was pretty high scoring. Um, Colorado State, speaking of the Mountain West, looked, has looked really good this this week or this year. And Boise State, they got, they got a nice win. Boise State's looking really good. Um, I was talking about Cincy, how we got to keep an eye on them. They barely lost to Texas just by one point. This is all from Tuesday. Um, that's the same, you know, day that we saw Houston and Purdue go down. But there, there was some really interesting matchups. And even on Wednesday, I mean, like UConn, who is now number one. It's been a long time since they've been number one. Um, that was a great matchup. UTSA and Memphis, who that's usually a high-scoring uh, football game. 107 to 101, sure, it went to overtime. But both teams – over a hundred, um, that was pretty crazy. So yeah, man, that that was a really fun week. And if you look at like um, Wisconsin beat Northwestern, not the craziest thing, but they've won six in a row now. Um, LSU is three and zero in the SEC, and I think they've won eight or nine in a row. Um, Marquette, who looked really really good. Um, in the non-conference, and kind of early, they've lost two in a row in three out of their last five. I think I mentioned Santa Clara beat the Zags. It'll be interesting to see if the Zags can. They they look just okay this year. Sure, I'm not calling it it's a, it's a major down year or anything like that, but they're looking okay. Uh, let's put it that way. But um, but UTCA, UTSA is is one in three in conference, but. Memphis sitting there four and zero in the top of the AAC, and um, they gave them a hell of a run. So that just kind of shows you, um, you know, the, the the competitives going around. And speaking of, 
Oh, well, actually, do you have any last things before we uh, get to it? Because I wanted to start with the ACC because, you know, usually North Carolina takes until, like, February to get their shit together all the way, right? Their defense, they're sitting pretty 5-0 and on top of the ACC conference with one, two, three, four teams at 4-1. and And Miami, we know, is a pretty damn good team. They're only two games back. Uh, I'm definitely not going to walk away from the Tar Heels because that's my squad for my whole life. Then the Cowboys. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Cowboys anytime soon. So, Are you um, sure? We can have a segment later if you want uh, that, to talk that, about that, the Cowboys. We can get into the draft or something. How, how many swear words are allowed per minute on our podcast? Um, so uh, I will just say, though, quickly for Marquette, that's a team that just struggles to shoot the ball effectively. If you watch them play, they're a solid team, but they can't shoot for shit um, effectively, in, in my Marshall Rogers' opinion. And – for Memphis, they talk about they normally they peak at the end of the year too. The fact that Penny's got that squad this year starting that good so far is surprising to me. I've always kind of enjoyed watching that team play, but the fact that they're where they are at now is a, they're a step ahead, and that's a very very veteran old team. And when I say old is for college basketball nowadays, but that they're like old old for college basketball standards. So that that could be a dangerous Memphis squad compared to the last few he's had in the last couple of years. Um. But speaking of the Tar Heels, uh, my squad, my beloved baby blue team, uh, they got some yeah, guys. Yeah, you already too. said that. We we got that. Oh, okay. They they got they got some vets. You got you got Baycott, you got R.J. Davis. You have guys who played uh, in that national title game a couple of years ago. So again, they're I mean Baycott feels like he's been there for six years. You know. Yeah, dude. So, is he assistant coach too? Uh, is he I, a doctor? I, is he a, gets his doctor degree? He's, 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 oh, I was about to make a joke about my own team and their degrees, but yeah, that, that was a long right. time ago, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> hey, ba- talking about how, you know, like Edie is a, a solid big, obviously Baycott's obviously built a bit differently, but Baycott's a solid big too. And again, you have that RJ Davis, you have a couple of new guards. It's, so it's not, it's not quite, um, from what I've, from what I've seen this year, they're not quite the running gun Tar Heel teams of the past. But, hey, the way they start off conference play has been off to an amazing start. That team is – they're moving the ball well. They're, they're offensively – you know, that's always kind of been their MO. But like you said, defensively, they, they've got to figure it out. They normally always – especially that was always the DNA for Roy Williams was, hey, you know, you're going to be able to score. You're going to have a point guard that's probably going to be in the NBA or can run the team. And can you figure out defense by March? This year, they're – it's a little different, a little bit different uh, trajectory, but hey, you've had some really solid wins. You want to talk about good weeks? Uh, Carolina's had kind of a, a solid two and a half weeks in a row, where you're winning games you're supposed to. You're you're facing some adversity from ACC opponents, and so far you got a nice record. So again, it's 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 early, but Carolina Tar Heels are definitely off to a good start because normally at the start of the year they're never at the top. Like I'm not I'm not saying they're on the bottom tier, but they're normally not the team that leads the conference this time of year. They're normally creeping that five to eight range and they're figuring out life. But I guess they got life figured already. So I'm happy with the Tar Heels. But hey, that conference is like feels like 17 teams deep. And it's a long ways to go. But a nice start to the season for the Baby Blue. Yeah, no doubt about it. And moving on to the Big 12, talking about deep conference. This is something we documented all last year, really the last few years. Um, it, you know. Everyone's just three games into it. We're not trying to go overboard here. But when you look at the top two teams, Baylor, Texas Tech, you mentioned them earlier, 3-0. and And then you have four teams at 2-1. And, and then you have seven teams at 1-2. And, 
and I know it's not going to stay that way, but I remember like eight deep, nine deep last year, constantly saying, dude, I mean, there's four teams like this. There's three teams like this. Like it's, it's, it's crazy, dude. When you look at some of these, I just mentioned Central Florida, Oklahoma, BYU, Cincy, uh, West Virginia, Texas, Houston. These are all good teams. They're not off. They're not having a great start, but they're only, you know, three games in. This is what a lot of conferences are going to look like in a sense, you know, but I mean, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, teams ranked in this puppy. And, uh, you know, like I said, I know we're three games in. Someone's got no – there's no ties and shit like that. But if you look at, you know, eight to ten deep, this thing is going to be tight pretty much the whole way. And right when you think someone's got a a healthy lead, they're going to go through that, you know, three-game slide, kind of like what you just mentioned. Yeah, um, you'd said the Big 12, right? Yes, sir. Sorry, okay. All right, yeah. Hey, the fact that you got the top five teams are all ranked, um, Baylor, Texas Tech, KU, Iowa State, TCU, like, okay, like, shit, if your top, if the top five teams of your conference are all ranked, there's only 25 rankings, like, that tells you that, hey, that's something impressive. And also for Houston, yeah, oh, well, and hell, they're ranked fifth in the, well, they were ranked fifth and they're seventh in the conference. That, that alone just shows you, hey, if six of your top seven teams are ranked, you're playing against some good basketball. And that's why, like I said, if you're a Houston fan, hey, you lost two in a row. Not the end of the world. Like, you know, it was like you're playing teams who are like two and ten on the year or something like that. So, um, and shit, Arizona's joining them next year, Chris. Like that, the Big 12 conference, which is deep this year and really good, is only going to get better next year with more, with a few more powerhouse teams. So, um, Baylor, very similar, I would say, to Houston. Uh, it feels like they've kind of had the same DNA of a team for the last handful of years that maybe is not a guaranteed Final Four team, but they, they just seem to be a solid veteran team that if you had to say, hey, they're going to make the Sweet 16, like people aren't going to laugh at that pick. Uh, Texas Tech's kind of just bounced them down. It feels like they've had, they obviously had their Final Four run. And they had a different coach. So it's kind of been a little up and down, but they're off to a good start. And KU, they're, as much as I hate to say it, um, they're about as solid and fundamental as it gets. Like Bill Self has a team again, and they they had a really nice addition of bringing in that Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. If you watch them play, yeah, that team really kind of runs through him. Not that he's like complete. he's not maybe like oh, he's not maybe that he he could be he'll he'll be one of the top ten players in the country for the year for like the Naismith Award. Okay, I'm not he's, is he LeBron James? No, but is he a guy that can help push a team? Again, he's a he's a solid big. Um, he has an outside yeah, shot. Yeah, you can't that, feed him over and over again no. or like that, but he is – it just goes in line with the bigs they've had, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and, and normally KU always kind of normally feeds off their guards. This team kind of feeds it through him and then gets the guards. So, yeah, he, he was a a great transfer portal addition that uh, KU really benefited from having. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then moving on to the Big East – you do have Seton Hall and UConn on the top. And, and, you know, UConn, I think it's been 15 years since they have a number one ranking. Um, and what do they have, two or three national championships in that time? So the number one ranking doesn't always tell you everything. But someone uh, mentioned Adam Zogira on Twitter mentioned the, the new number one team in Atlanta has two losses this season and since March 10th of last year at KU and at Seton Hall. Um, that just shows you 
where Seton Hall is this year. They, they're hot. They're, they've been kind of building these last couple of years. Uh, you've seen them get ranked and then maybe get unranked. Um, you know, Creighton's a solid team, as we know. Villanova, you can't count out. St. John's looks better this year with, the, you know, the elderly statesmen there. And, you know, Buckler, Providence, Xavier, we mentioned Marquette, but Providence just got knocked out of the top 24, but you can't count them all the way out. So, once again, the Big East is going to be fun. But, yeah, we look at UConn, and obviously, right, they're the number one. But that Seton Hall squad, they they technically have a have a win over. I, I hope I can make it through the show. I just sneeze like five times a row. I don't know what I have allergies to, but some, something's attacking me. Ever since the dog barked, we mentioned KU. I've been struggling. I think brother. you're allergic to KU is what it is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that, that, that's why I'm a zoo DNA talking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, for the Big East, <clears throat> as I regroup here, um, hey, that Connecticut team, like I, I was watching, I think it was like CBS Sports. I was just watching some random college basketball game. They were doing like a halftime breakdown. But they're like, dude – that UConn team wasn't supposed to be this good, but they're like, hey, they they lost, they they won their title, they lost a few people, but they brought some people in. They're like, that's a good ass team. They're like normally in college basketball, it is hard to repeat. You don't see it often, but they're like guys. Like if you're if you're watching that UConn squad, there was no drop off. Like those guys, it's a bit of a different DNA, but that's still a a team that you do not want to play. And yeah, as you can tell, they've not taken a step back yet. For Seton Hall, though, you're right, Chris. That one does surprise me because, and this is funny, inside joke to Chris, I, I was never the biggest Big East fan growing up, but now like it's become my favorite conference to watch for the past, I, don't know, I would say, five years of college basketball, which wasn't the case when we became friends. Uh, so it's still unbelievable. But hey. <laughs> uh, th- I think it was always, you were just stuck on the East Coast bias thing, even though North Carolina yeah. is on the East, but the yeah. Upper East, what people yes. think of East Coast. Yeah, now it's become my favorite conference to watch hands down, uh, which is <laughs> comical. Um, but, yeah, for, for a guy that has watched them pretty uh, intensely, Seton Hall has pretty much been a mid-tier every year. Like, you're on the bubble. You're the yeah. last four to make it, first four out. So what the hell are you doing ranked first, tied for first in the biggest, and you don't even have a ranking next to you? Like, that shows you surprise the pollsters. Um, they always seem to have a good guard. Uh, their guard play is always kind of above par, but that normally you don't need you need more than just that to be a good basketball team. Uh, but hey, so far this year, um, they're doing their part. Now I will say, a handful of teams in the Big East have kind of are going through rebuilding phases. Where for the past three years, uh, Xavier, Providence, um, and uh, actually, well, shit, even Butler had a good non season or uh, early season play, but so. The fact that Xavier Province yeah, Butler's down is, from where they were a chunk of years ago, obviously. Yeah, and, and they started off their non-conference pretty well, but they've kind of faded off in conference too. So there is a bit of a gap there for them to recover. And the fact that St. John's with Patino, as you mentioned, is off to a good start is surprising. But yeah, hey, for Seton Hall, keep doing what you're doing. Like that's team, and they've had some nice road wins. Uh, speaking of Providence, I've always liked with Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley's gone now, so that's probably one of the reasons why they're struggling. But Seton Hall played Providence last week, and they went on the road there. And up until that game, uh, Providence was 11-0 at home. And that's the Dunkin' Donut place. It's it's a hard for people to win there. So you're winning tough games on the road. That Seton Hall team is no joke. And UConn, again, they haven't taken their foot off the gas since last 
uh, last March. So uh, this the DNA of this conference is laid out a bit differently, but it should still be a lot of fun. And Marquette, if you watch the team play, man, it, 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 they make you pull your hair because they pass the ball well. They're fundamental. This is obviously one of Shaka's better teams, but they just can't shoot the three. And as you know, Chris, over the last handful of years, the three-point uh, shot in college basketball seems to go up each year. Um, but if you can't shoot effectively, why do you try so much? I don't know, but they do. <laughs> and it, it makes you pull out your hair and shake your head like, dude, you can't hit threes, drive. But they like to jack threes, and they don't shoot at great clips. So obviously I think Marquette will be fine with the ranking, but offensively it's like they're missing a bit of a piece there, and I'm not quite sure what that piece is. Yeah, that's actually what uh, my uh, – no spoilers because I'm going to watch uh, some of it or the rest, rest of it. Minnesota team too. Saw him one one of eleven in the first half from three. But speaking of <laughs> Butler, they snapped Marquette's streak of twenty consecutive Big Big East home games, uh, wins I should say at home. And it's funny because just kind of how bad Butler's been lately for their standards. Anyway, um, it's their first Big East road win over a non DePaul Georgetown opponent since two uh, twenty twenty. Um, so who knows? Maybe they'll start to, you know, turn the corner a little bit, maybe. Um, but on to the Big Ten, which right now only has three ranked teams in it. Um, and, you know, Wisconsin, like I said, they, they're the winners of six in a row. They're undefeated in the conference, whereas Purdue, number two team in the land, they are, they're four and two along with Indiana. And Indiana got a nice win over my Gophers at home. Um, basically, they won the first part of each half, and that was kind of the telling point of that game. I've also watched Illinois lately. They're looking pretty good. And then you kind of just have feisty teams, right? Northwestern, especially on the road. Um, or, well, at home. They're at home. They're 8-1. Um Maryland is actually improving. I look for that team to be up in that top five, top six uh, very soon. Iowa's always kind of tough. You never want to cut out Michigan State. Maybe Michigan can turn it around. Um, But, yeah, I I think Wisconsin, it feels a little different this year, like they're getting back to the old Badger Club, which I'm not too excited about. But my Gophers have had a nice little run. Of late, anyway, they, they finally have some returning players, and they got two transfers. Well, actually, one transfer, Hawkins, is leading the league, leading the whole country, I mean, sorry, in uh, assists and barely has turnovers. So, um, yeah, man, they're, they're, uh, it looks like it normally is a competitive, uh, you know, competitive type um, conference, and, uh, you know, we'll see how it turns out. It, it may be. You know, the Big Ten can get a champ this year when it doesn't seem like it's as deep, you know, because other years it's like, man, they, I mean, they're, they're going to get two in the, in the in the Final Four and that type of thing, and then they kind of fall flat on their face. But uh, it's always competitive. Let's see where the cream rises. But right now Wisconsin's looking, unfortunately, to the border battle here, looking pretty damn good, my friend. Yeah, and they're a team where – I've always followed due to my best friend going on my March trips with because he has some family friends that played there and all that stuff. But 
because I follow the Badgers closely. But for the last handful of years, Chris, they've not been their regular self. <clears throat> so to see them this early, thirteen three in 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 uh for the year and five and zero in Big Ten play is a bit surprising because I guess I wasn't expecting them to be the the team they were. Um, but as we've said out with the transfer portal, uh, every year is kind of a new year, and and that means more than it used to. So they usually so have far, like seven or eight. Damn Minnesota kids, man. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no shit. Uh, but, hey, so far, you had a loss at Tennessee for your second game of the year, which wasn't a bad loss. Providence is a respectable, you know, blue-collar team. But you beat Virginia. Uh, you beat Marquette. You beat Michigan State. You lost to Arizona in a tough one. But I think they're they're just probably just surprising people a little bit. Like, I, I, I don't think that team is projected to win the Big Ten. So, obviously, it's a long ways to go. But – you're doing something right. Uh, I just the the thing for the last handful of years, Chris, which really kind of done them in, is they not have they've have not had like an elite late game scorer. They used to always kind of have a big who'd go pro after like playing five years there, and kind of a, a couple of decent guards could be spot up three point shooters, and then right. kind of switched the last handful of years. They've had a couple of like really good guards, but the guards weren't good enough to like make a deep run. Um, obviously this year, AJ stores their leading guard player who's averaging 14 a game. That's not a ton, but it's, I, I don't know. He, he's shooting 44%. I was just looking at an ESPN with their win loss record. So again, I got to watch team play a bit more this year, but Hey, you're five and oh, you're, you're leading a deep conference. Um, I was a bit surprised that I, when I watched, uh, Michigan state play in the non-conference, they, I thought they had a nice little start to the year, but then you look in the big 10. Yeah, you're right. Like I, I was really expecting to see Sparty. Oh man! And by the way, what about Ezzo? But you're two and four in conference play, and you're ten and seven on the year. So again, is the end of the world? No. Could Ezzo still make the tournament for sure? But you, you had some promising, nice wins to start off your season, and now you're well. Again, it's bottom of the barrel because it's getting so many damn teams in that conference. But a little bit of a rough start. Uh, same with Penn State and same with Michigan. Like all three of those teams for the, for the past five to seven years have been pretty reliable for making a March madness run and, or being a consistent bubble talk team. And Michigan state's two and four Penn state's two and four and Michigan's two and four. So obviously losing Hunter Dickinson is huge. Uh, I just said for KU, um, that guy's going to be a, a, a linchpin for them to make it to the final four, if that's their dreams. And obviously when you lose a guy that is one of the best bigs in the country, that will be a, a downfall for you. So, as he improves Kansas. something for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Harbaugh, Harbaugh won them enough praise for a couple of years. So, you know what, Michigan, times are hard. Sorry, the economy's down. So, yeah, they're – but, hey, it's a, long, it's a long ways to go. But, hey, for your Gophers, though, hey, three and three, that's a solid start. And that's a coach who – You literally know, just – you literally just spoiled it. That's okay. Oh, but he he walked into a, a a a pantry of that was pretty empty. Maybe had a couple of fruit rolls and some granola bars. Uh, and hey, that that dude's doing what he can. They had a little bit of an easier non-conference, but they're trending the right way. They're going the right direction. And hey, twelve and five on the year. That that's a step for uh, positivity. So I'm happy to see your your boys in the uh, mid-conference so far for the season. Yeah, they. I screenshotted it when they were three and two. And now I do know that they lost that game at three and three. But how are you to know? I, I understand that it's a live look at it. It just probably went final right now because it started at five. By the way, early so far, anyway, uh, Maryland became the first team 
to beat a top seven team in the league on the road. And I believe now we can say that about Iowa <coughs> as well. Um, now, Illinois was without uh, uh, Shannon, I think it is. I can't remember his first name. But, uh, you know, something to keep an eye on as far as, uh, you know, competitiveness and all that. If you shoot down to the SEC, you got Auburn on top. Um, Bama is 3-0. and um, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Kentucky's 2-1. and LSU can be, you know, kind of scrappy. If you look at Mizzou in A&M and even Arkansas, you know, so far not so good, obviously. If you look at Auburn at home, I saw this stat uh, during their game. 38-2 and two at home were the last three seasons. They've won uh, eight, eight games in a row. Um, you know, so they, they've been a really solid program, obviously. Uh, a while back, they made that, uh, you know, that uh, Final Four and all that. So, SEC, the last chunk of years, have we, as we've documented, has become a legit basketball conference. And now they're falling off, is it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I didn't even finish my sentence. Football. I didn't even say football, though, in the same sentence. <laughs> just a joke. Don't at me. It's just, just kidding. Um, but, yeah, Auburn's looking pretty freaking good. But, like I said, I, I liked what I've seen um, from Tennessee and especially Kentucky of late as well. Sir, you can't be making jokes about the SEC football. Like, Kirby and the boys are ready to go now that, you know, Nick Saban's gone. Like, let, let's let's not anger the Georgia football base. <laughs> Man. Uh, so, yeah, hey, the SEC next year, God only knows. Uh, I'm, yeah, anyway, I, I don't want to get started on Saban because that'll be old chat, but it'll be interesting. Um, But you're right. For the past five, six years, it's improved immensely. Now, Auburn has had years where they were starting out hot, and then, you know, they did have their one deep run. But I think if you're an Auburn basketball fan, you're, you're expecting a little more consistency. Like, the regular seasons have gone pretty good for you, but what have your, what have your March Madness runs been? It, it seems like it's been um, very hot and cold Bruce Pearl. So, I obviously, you're intrigued again, but this isn't the first time this team has gotten off to a good start. So, how will they do this year? I, we'll, we'll see. Time time will tell. Uh, same thing if you're an Arkansas fan, Chris. I think that, like, the must bust, like, that dude seems to have very good regular seasons, but come tournament time, he's also kind of like, well, is that what you were expecting for the – and you want to talk about NIL portal. That dude seems to have a top player come to his team every single year. So, um, in Tennessee – Again, your ranks in the top ten appears to be almost every single year, but then your offense disappears and dries up like a, a drought flood or drought. Oh, that's a that's oxymoron. A drought. Uh, come come tournament time. I was gonna so, say, man, that's so a flood early and then a drought. <laughs> Sounds like spring in Minnesota. My my co-host is googling what a drought flood is. Yeah, that must uh, happen in the south. I just didn't know about. It. I know you've been in Texas for a while. Uh, so yeah, those those drop floods. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you're Tennessee, man, uh, offense. Like I said, Arizona's a team that's you know is going to try to drop ninety. Tennessee's a team that it seems they want to score about sixty five a game, which is great for the regular season. But as you know, when it gets to March Madness, it's, it's you, you need to be able to go and score. And shit, Old Miss. This is the first time they've – it's been a minute. 
Like I remember you had the old Miss Marshall Henderson team that yeah, played yeah. that played Wisconsin in the in the uh March Madness. But that might be the last time since they've made the tournament. And that was about seven years ago. I remember watching that on my March Madness trip with my Wisconsin friends. So hey, getting off to a good start. And uh Georgia too. Georgia's gotten off to a solid start the season, and they're also a team who's pretty much always been a a destined to be a bubble team at best. So, and the SEC, as for Chris, it's always like this right now. There's only uh, four ranked teams. I bet by about mid-February, we'll have about six or seven. They always seem to start peaking up, and maybe they won't even finish that year the best March Madness. But mid-February, the SEC always hits their stride. You're like, oh, damn, man, how how are there seven ranked teams in the SEC? How that how's that make sense? Well, it seems to happen every year. <laughs> So that conference will be fun. Um, A&M, again, Wade Taylor, one of my favorite guys watching basketball. I guess I can't rep him too much when his team is 10-6, and six, but for a, a game upon game. And for Mizzou, it's sad. They they lost a couple yeah. of guys for the year because they had one of the best recruiting classes of the year. But I know they did have two guys out to the season for injury, and one was a big one was a guard, and that's really kind of uh, derailed their season thus far, which is frustrating for how they started. But that's just so is life again with college football and college basketball bouncing out. Missouri had the best football season they've had in a long time. So I guess, you know, it's hard to hard to have both sports thriving at the same time. Yeah. Just ask Auburn, but I won't get into that. We're still in the college football <laughs> mode, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Another um, side of Bruce Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving to the Pac-12, which obviously this is the last year. Speaking of UCLA, I don't mean to – they've been a solid program, very, like, high-level program in the last few years, but they just lost to Utah by 46 points. Jesus. Um, that's intense. That's intense. I heard that they're having a little NIL issue, but they still got a coach that should be able to coach them up. Now, Oregon is 5-0. and Arizona State's, you know, pretty uh, – pretty uh, crap, you know. Like a good team that they don't have a great wins. Oregon is five and zero, but they really haven't. They've beaten some okay teams. Uh, they're thirteen and three overall, but you know having five conference wins already is a plus. We mentioned Arizona earlier. Stanford looks like it, it, they've had times where they look pretty good, but they just can't necessarily get over the hump and be what they were there for a little bit. Like a solid program though. Overall, and just to kind of combo this, because we're on the West Coast, uh, in the Mountain West, I mean, you know, a lot of people like New Mexico. They're 2-2. Two and two. Colorado State, you know, they're not ranked anymore. Uh, they're 1-2 and two now. But if you look at Utah State, Boise State, San Diego, Nevada, New Mexico, I mean, Utah State, man, they, they're, they're looking pretty freaking good so far. I got to say it. I'm not saying that they've, uh, you know, beaten a bunch of killers in the in the non-conference because you know that wouldn't that wouldn't be true. But you got to keep an eye on this Mountain West. But yeah, with Oregon, it's kind of like a wait and see and see if they can keep it up because you know when they played pretty good teams in the non-conference, uh, not so much. For the Pac-12, um, it. I, you know, it, it's weird that Arizona State, a team who I loved, who won me so much money, I bet them like crazy last year and they came through. 
So to see them ranked where they are is surprising because, again, you want to talk about how NIL and transfer portals work. That When I watched them play at the start of this year, uh, they almost had an entirely new team. Like one of those things were like, well, I was looking for like names recognized, and they're like, well, they got like eight or nine different guys on the team this year. I'm like, holy shit, how, how do you flip around like eight or nine? That kind of has become the norm. Uh, with Speaking of like the big YouTubes I watched, like this uh, Xavier team, Literally, their their eight their starting eight are almost all different. So that is part of part of life. And that game I when I did watch Arizona State play this year, they looked a little sluggish. That was early in the season. But I suppose as a coach, Chris, and as you know, as as the sports changed, um, g- give yourself some time. You know, they're they're they've played sixteen games this year. So when you played sixteen games, that allows time to identify, kind of get your feels of who's who's playing where, who's playing what minutes, because. As much as we enjoy seeing these teams who, okay, guys, well, we need to bring some new people in. Okay, cool, but what if it doesn't work? Or what if the people you bring in don't mesh? Or, you know, like I do think sometimes you do get fooled by the Deion Sanders prime college football thing of, well, hey, you know, he brought people in Colorado. Well, they start off hopping and how they finish. Like it, it, it is intriguing, I think, with college sports to, hey, we have a new roster and we have these high-class guys coming in, but there's not always a guarantee they're going to make for a good squad. So uh, hats off to Arizona State. It's far. Hey, you, you've but you've they weren't a one. They didn't only win five games last year. Though, you know what I mean? So it's oh, a little different than Colorado. Well, that's you're that's fair. I was just have a, having a team transformation switch. Just wanted here. to find yeah. a way to take a shot at Dion. That's cool. No problem. No, I, I'm not, I wasn't even taking a shot. But and then some people RG3 on Twitter saying, "Hey, you should go fill in for McCarthy at the Cowboys." They're like, "Oh, I, easy now. I, I don't know if I need that, but we'll see." Ah. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, um, yeah, you're, you're top of the conference so far. But again, it, it currently is January 15th. If you're uh, up top in February 15th, now you're really talking. So, hey, credit to them. Oregon, they always seem to have a good, um, pretty good regular season. But, I mean, I, it's been, God, I suppose it's Dylan Brooks, right? Yeah, it's it's been a minute since they've been a tournament tournament team. So maybe this is their year to have a nice little dance back. And you would assume when we do this show in February or uh, early March that USC and UCLA should creep up. But who, as it, uh, you kind of started the show, Chris, like what, UCLA and USC, you're both two and four, and USC is under 500 for the year. And so is UCLA. You get your like, act together before y- y- you get to next year. I'll tell you that, right? Like, y- yeah, yeah. Y- y- you don't just walk into the barn and expect to get a W in the big in the new Big Ten, you know. So, um, those teams are not doing what's expected of them. The rest of it, like, okay, Utah, they're always mid tier. Washington right. State, always middle of the pack. Arizona, Colorado, yeah, I think Arizona probably will win this thing. I, I think they'll figure out their defense, but. <laughs> Hey, and for the Mountain West, that, that that that's kind of like your 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 baby on this show. Like I love the Big East. You you you, you just kind of fall in love with the Mountain West just because it's such a fun conference to talk about. Last it's not a year, five. it really I, went off, dude. I, it, it it did, and you would expect again. Again, I've done all the data research for them, but they've been trending up, man. They really have. They, they have the teams, and the top of that conference is all from top to bottom. Or excuse me, the last month of the year. Those top four to five teams always seem to be in a complete dogfight. It's never like, yeah. hey, some team has the conference wrapped up and it's 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 done. No, it's like, dude, there's four teams left with two games to go and everyone can still win the conference. Like the the Mountain West is always going to deliver some drama and which makes their conference tournament 
very fun to watch because as we found out last year, the conference tournament, a couple teams needed to advance it to make the playoffs, and they didn't. So, hey, it's uh, that's that's a fun one, brother. Um, yeah, that that'll be a hey, Colorado State, Wyoming. They're normally uh, up top as well. They're kind of in the bottom so far. So yeah, that should be fun. UNLV, they're you know a little bit better than they were last year. So that'll be a very fun deep conference. That again, it maybe doesn't get all the pub on ESPN or FS1 or all that stuff, but they're a very enjoyable, fun conference to watch. Yeah, CBS Sports Network is kind of the one that featured that on average. And if you look at the West Coast Conference, um, St. Mary's is ahead. And you have Frisco, San Francisco, and Santa Clara, who just beat Gonzaga above Gonzaga as we speak right now, though. We're not going to get too ahead of ourselves and freak out. But it is it is pretty interesting. Um, and just kind of – Going through, because we are at the hour point, let's start looking at next week, um, you know, on, uh, well, I should say, I was going to say Tuesday, but um, on Tuesday, or Monday, I was going to say, on Tuesday, you have, you know, Purdue on the road at an Indiana team that looks a little bit better, in my opinion. TCU, can they keep going? Or will Cincinnati, you know, who is the favorite right now, um, protect the home court? I think that's a good one. Kansas State is never an easy place to play, and Baylor has to play there. Um, another one, obviously, ranked versus ranked 20 BYU at home against 24 Iowa State. And we just talked about that. Utah, this is FS1, though, 930. That's another reason they start late, so I can usually catch them. Utah State, New Mexico. I mean, Tuesday is pretty jam-packed, and that's not even getting to – you know, some other matchups like Texas Tech at Houston and um, Creighton, or Creighton at UConn on uh, Wednesday. Just those two days are, like, jam-packed, and we're not even getting just yet to previewing some of these Saturday games, which there's, you know, there's some ranked versus ranked as well on Saturday. And we will finish with the Crafty Crab Pick of the Week, which is a beautiful one on Saturday as well. Um, I will say I would definitely take Indiana, we're talking gambling too because we like to make our money on the show. Indiana as is a, a nine and a half point dog at home. That team, if you watch them play, whether it's been the years past years against Kentucky or this year versus Kansas, that team is a different freaking beast when they have some top tier team in their arena. It, it it's kind of a different yeah. layout than normal. But I would mm-hmm. not be shocked at all one bit. And this wouldn't even be a shot at Purdue. If they go in there and lose to Indiana, because that team, almost every damn year, they upset someone big. And they already did against Kansas here. And, again, that'll be a fun-ass game. And since I have worked for I suppose I'll turn down and watch it, Chris. But look for Indiana to cause hell if they lose, and they lose by less than 10 and one surprise me all. So my first uh, pick of the year for our our college basketball podcast is Indiana. Get it to plus 10 and enjoy what should be a really fun game. Now, obviously, Purdue's a better team. But again, that 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 place is a house of horrors. So that'll be a very a fun one. But shit, like you said, Christopher, Tuesday. What a loaded schedule for a, a mid-January weekend. Yeah, I think Cincy has a really good chance. Um, I think they're going to win. I do think maybe what? Iowa State will beat BYU at BYU. But, and TCU's um, probably coming off a bit of a heater too. They've been on a yeah. hot streak, like you said. It's hard to consistently play that well, and you're going on the road to Cincy. Yeah, there's some big matchups as far as like, all right, let's see what you got type stuff. Um, 
and New Mexico's got to protect their home court. I like UConn over Creighton on Wednesday. I think Houston will uh, straighten it out. They better because they got Texas Tech, um, you know, coming to their home arena. Um, and then, let's see, we have Creighton's got a tough schedule this week. They're going to Seton Hall on Saturday. Marquette and St. John's, that's a big game on Saturday. Um, uh, Iowa State TCU, that's another big, big one. Um, and also, don't don't under, underestimate West Virginia, although they're 6-10, and 10, to give Kansas a good battle. I think they'll lose that game. But Texas Tech, man, they got BYU coming in. Auburn, we talked about Ole Miss. Are they back? Well, we I just mentioned that last three years in Auburn. I like Auburn to win that game. That's not going on on the ledge. But we'll, we'll see just how good Ole Miss is to see if they can, you know, stay with them. Nova could really do something, too, protecting their home court on Fox Saturday night against UConn. you're talking about a lot of good basketball, my friend. And that is one thing about college football where you normally just have Saturdays and some other days. In college basketball, the team you love is probably going to play twice a week or three times, and you're also going to have games where on Tuesday night we're like, dude, I can watch like four good games tomorrow night, which my co-host just said. So you have college basketball, you got NFL playoffs. Like the next couple weeks you have like nonstop sports every single day. So, um I, I do think, like you said, what what a week for frickin' TCU. You had a great week, and then on Saturday, you play, you host Iowa State. So, I mean, damn, like, you, if you can get through that stretch and go 4-0, and like, okay. I mean, I, I think 3-1 and or hell, even 2-2 two and two is not yeah, a bad stretch. Yeah, exactly, yep. And Alabama, again, I, it, the fact that they're not ranked at 3-0 and tells you that they're not a conference, maybe wasn't the toughest, but... Uh, Nate Oates and that team always seems to be a, a pretty – hell, they've been pretty soft for the last five, six years. So they're going to Tennessee. Um, that should be a fun game to watch Saturday as well. Uh, Iowa, you know, they're a team that's always going to try to score 90 points and probably give up 95. So, and again, they're, I would expect sometime the year for them to be ranked. That seems to be almost their DNA too. So, yeah, the fact, Chris, that we've talked about like probably 20 different teams on today's podcast and all these teams have like those glimpses of hope is what's going to make this year be a lot of fun like again there's there maybe are some teams that you and I think who are the top four might disagree on that but there's a top to bottom list of teams who are all really good actually for a very fun podcast and the fact that I know it is early in the year but a lot of conferences have a lot of teams who are fighting for those conference to be the best team in conference like normally on this for Pat uh, you could argue on the on one of the earlier shows here, hey, I think this is the best team in the Big Ten. I think this is the best team in the ACC. We didn't really say that. Like, there, there's a handful of teams that could really win any uh, division. So I do think that that parity is spread out. It's it's helped the game become more enjoyable, um, obviously, aside from the, the team you love and support for yourself. The fact that the Big Ten, like, I mean, I, I don't know who the best team in the Big Ten is right now. But we get to figure out and enjoy it for the next month. And then when we do this podcast again in mid-February, then we can have that debate. So um, it, it's going to be a very fun year. And, yeah, shit, UConn, they're, they're, they're going to keep taking punches. And Saturday at 7 o'clock at night, they have to go to Villanova. And this is not the same Villanova team as in years past. But they still shoot good free throws. They're still going to jack up threes like crazy. And UConn, just like in college football, if you're the best team, you take the team's best punches. 
Same thing college basketball, Chris. If there's a one next to you, you and every year we do this podcast, brother, there's always that week where, you know, the, the number one team goes down and the next week the no, new number one team goes down. Sometimes it's almost like a curse. Well, God, yeah. you're number one, and oh, you're the number one team, and then and then you you won nine games in a row. You become number one, then you lose right away. So, the number one, it's a heavy crowd to wear in college basketball. That happens every single year. All right, let's wrap this up, my friend. <clears throat> okay, for the first crafty crappy pick of the week, it is on Saturday. What it time? Is, I gotta get there. There's uh, a lot what, of games. What, one o'clock in the Patriot League. One o'clock Patriot League. It is uh, Loyola Maryland against Holy Cross. Loyola Maryland is three and fourteen on the year with a one and three Patriot record. Holy Cross is four and thirteen on the year with a one and three Patriot record. So these teams have played combined uh, thirty three games and they've won seven. So Loyola Maryland against Holy Cross in a Patriot League. Throwdown at the Heart Center in Worcester, Massachusetts. You can get in the door for thirteen bucks. So the uh, a, a, a subway, a, a foot long subway, or go watch this barber matchup, brother. Loyola, Maryland against Holy Cross. What does your gut say for the first college basketball crafty crappy pick of the year? Funny enough, I've been watching a bunch of Holy Cross games. Oh. Okay. All right. Maybe okay. holding across in Minnesota, the private school or something. Um, but you know, when you look at this, I mean, this is an evenly matchup garbage matchup. I mean, <laughs> if you look at the points per game, sixty-six point one, sixty-five point five. You look at the points against, it's it's seventy-four and seventy-six. Field goal percent. I mean, you just go all all the way down the line, and two things do point. You know, kind of stand out to me. A little bit more assists, and as far as breaking it down here, a little like a significant amount, almost two a game, steals per game. And of course, you know, it's no secret I'm talking about Loyola, Maryland, not Marymount, the Greyhounds, okay? And the Greyhounds, now that I'm looking at their schedule, have played a tough non can schedule. Now they haven't won shit in the non-conference, <laughs> but they have played a tough one. And, I mean, the matchup predictor, according to ESPN Analytics, 50.5 to 49.5. You know, I got nothing, you know, well, I do have something against Crusaders, but um, <laughs> the Holy Cross themselves, I, I don't have anything, you know, bad to say about them. But I'll say this. Um, and they played it. They played you know, some I just mentioned St. John's. They got beat ninety-one to forty-five. So they they played some pretty good teams too. But I think this Saturday, ESPN Plus. I'm sure this is going to be a ratings record for them. Loyola, <laughs> Maryland. The Greyhounds are going to jump on a ground probably because their budget and go there, get the job done, and come back to Maryland. Um, you know, with the dub, man. That, that's my call. Uh, this alumni battle is pretty brutal. Um, I you recognize don't say. Lo- Loyola, Maryland's alumni. I, lo- I recognize Tom Clancy, who's a great author. My dad's wrote a lot, read a lot of his books. And uh, Jim McKay was a former ABC, like worldwide sports um, announcer. And that's all I got for Loyola. Uh, for Holy Cross, you got Bob Cousy, who was obviously a great uh, basketball player. 
And you also have Bill Simmons, who obviously, if you're a sports person, you've heard of his name throughout the years and um, podcasts and websites. Uh, and that's about and Anthony Fauci. Oh, well, I, I, that's that's all I got. Um, so I think for the basketball show, we are Bob Cousy, one of the best point guards of all time, in my knowledge of when, back in the day when I wasn't watching. Well, so we'll give the tip of the cap to Holy Cross. So first pick of the year in the books. We can't wait. We love this show again. March Madness is in six weeks. So that means in six weeks we get to have a lot of fun and just talk and enjoy is it life. Seven watch weeks or six weeks? Or, oh no, it'd be seven. Yep, seven. It's a leap year. It's a leap year, dude. God, I, I, yeah, I gotta start pulling <laughs> strings for March Madness in Memphis. So until then, the boys are out. Hey, stay safe, stay warm. We'll be back next week. We love you. Have a good night. We're out. Peace.